0: Welcome to Warriors Off Court. This is Rusty Simmons, staff writer at the San Francisco Chronicle, here with columnist Bruce Jenkins. And we're doing the impossible task of trying to fill in for Connor Letourneau today. Uh, he, he does a great job with his podcast all year long and it used to be that you could take four to six weeks off during the off season. but with the NBA these days it's year-round so we're trying to keep the
1: podcast going for him heavy shoes to fill we'll try our best but uh, yeah Connor is the hardest-working man in, in any business
0: and as I alluded to <clears throat> uh, the NBA is year-round these days um, just this week Uh, the Warriors brass was out showing off its new arena we'll get into that Uh, they announced a multi-year deal with 95.7 the game so they were out talking about that so we should have a lot of things to talk about here today um, and we'll get into that right after the break welcome back to the Warriors off-court this is Rusty Simmons a staff writer at the San Francisco Chronicle along with uh, our great columnist Bruce Jenkins and uh, This past week, the Warriors Brass was out showing off its new arena. Bruce, I know that uh, you got a chance to to tour the facility and and see everything that it has to offer. What what are your first impressions when you walk through there?
1: Well, it's pretty mind-blowing, you know, for all of us who've been going to Oracle Arena, Oakland Coliseum, whatever, through the years. You walk into this state-of-the-art arena that they had been talking about as far back as 1963, I found out. Uh, the, The original plan was like down here south of Market, you know, 4th and Howard and that whole block, but... To see it actually finished, and Rick Welts talking to the to the uh, the media with a wearing a big look of pride on his face, and it's 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 mind blowing. It really is. I mean, you know, we were we saw the whole deal. We saw the locker rooms. We saw what the really rich folks have uh, down at the courtside level. What they have sort of behind the scenes when you leave the seats, and some of the amenities they have are are just incredible. I mean you know, their own restaurants, their own bars, they got butlers, they got tables with knives and forks already on them and napkins and and big screen TVs. And one thing that struck me, Rusty, is that, you know, if I had uh, a group of people in that, I'd be back there at the start of the game. And who knows how far you leak into the game, having fun, talking, you can talk loudly, you're not interrupting anybody, you're ordering food, you're ordering drink and, and you might have the Giants on one screen and the Warriors on another. And, and that means empty seats out, if you're watching on TV, people are going, what the hell, where, where is everybody? You know. I think that's going to be something that they, uh, you can't stop it. I wouldn't blame people from going back yeah. there, but I think it's going to be an interesting aspect to it.
0: We, we started to see that at Oracle a little bit as they <clears throat> offered more and more suites on that courtside level, um, not so much at the beginning of the game, but at halftime, people would go back there and it took well, so really long to come, come back. back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, And it'll be interesting now because you're right, they, they offer such lavish things. Uh, there's places with wine cellars in a suite exactly. and all these kind yeah. of things. And it's like, why would you ever leave back there? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Right, right. So I think that'll be one of the most interesting things uh, about the new arena is there's no doubt that everything in there is first class. It's a beautiful, right. beautiful place. Um, but can it live up to the aura, the noise level, um, all of those factors that were there kind of organically at Oracle Arena.
1: Yeah, the noise level is is such a crucial factor, and we're not going to know until it's the third quarter of a crazy game, and if it feels and sounds a lot like it always did, then, you know, all good. Uh, It's it's a different kind of crowd. It's a little less uh, blue-collar, but, you know, Oracle was drifting well away from that also. Uh, one thing I th- found interesting is that uh, the TV crew, Fitz and Barnett, now Fitz and Kalina Azabuki are no longer going to be on the court. They're going to be up at the top of the lower level. Still a great seat, you know, 50-yard line. they got their own booth. It's, I talked to Fitz. He says it's very, very nice. And this is a trend in the league. Uh, teams are moving the crews off the floor uh, to... Let's face it, you know, cash in with thousands of dollars from rich folks. And, but also interesting is that the, the networks, ABC, you know, Mark Jackson and those guys, uh, Van Gundy and Mike Breen, they're still going to be on the floor because right. they had it specifically written yeah, into their contract. This is a new trend in the league, moving TV crews off the floor. And they saw that and they go, well, that's not going to happen to us. So, I always
0: thought that was interesting at Oracle because obviously Fitz and Barnett were on one side um, at midcourt. And then when it was a national TV game, They would set them up on the other side. Yeah. But but they always made room for them. Uh And and that was my first thought when you said they were moving fits up top was, I bet when the national guys come in, they're still going to be on the floor.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Rusty, there was a time when we had those great seats. And, you know, we were plenty upset when we kind of got kicked out. And, geez, you don't feel so bad now when even the TV guys uh, can't get on the courtside seats. So... All power to the wealthy. Well, it'll make it interesting for us because there's times now where
0: in the fourth quarter when you want to see a replay, as a writer, you Mm -hmm. don't have a view from up top. So Mm -hmm. you're almost better sometimes being in the media room so you can see the replay over and over again on TV. Uh, Now, now if we go in there and we're listening to a description, it's from somebody else who's way (laughs) high up. He didn't see it either. (laughs) That's true. So Um, maybe that's that's the Warriors thing. They say, hey, we're going to ask these huge prices for tickets. we will make sure they are in the arena so they can see. You can't even get the good description on TV anymore.
1: Well, that's really true. <laughs> they they won't be able to hear and and uh, you know, see and feel the game like we used to, the sounds of it. Uh that's what I always love being courtside cuz you can bring the game to the fans that they're not going to see. Even the fans 18 rows up uh, aren't going to get. So we lose all that and it's uh, in our in our seats uh, the media and nobody cares about this but us but uh, they're they're way up way up high and way in the corner and I think a lot of us are going to be retreating to the media room to, to uh, you know, watch the telecast, which is not available in the arena. The arena has a house feed, which is a different thing. Their video wouldn't show a, a, a call that, a, that exposes the ref or makes anybody look bad. So you, if, you, you got, if you really want to know what's going on you, and watching TV, you're going to have to be in the media lounge. So there we are watching TV in another room, just like the fans in their other room. Yeah. In fact, nobody's going to be in the seats. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure
0: there is uh, an exact rule on this that the NBA has. But years and years ago in Dallas, anytime there was a controversial call, Mark Cuban would replay it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And even while the next play was going, yeah. just keep showing it to yeah. so get the, the crowd worked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the NBA finally came up with a rule. You could only replay yeah. <clears throat> these things so many times. If um, at all. If at all. Yeah. 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 Um, Bruce, you mentioned how often we used to get to sit courtside and, and the different kind of stories you could. Tell um, when you do that. uh, I'll share one of my favorite stories. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the the last game of the season of Steph Curry's rookie year, and they were in Portland. And if you'll remember, at the end of that year, the Warriors were down to eight players who were healthy. Um, And during this game, three of them foul out. And so the rule is that you can keep playing so that you have five that that last (laughs) one that fouls out. Uh, and so they, the referees said, no, you can't, you can't do that. You have to put one of your injured guys in. And I'm sitting right there oh, by the there Warriors bench as Don Nelson threatens to sue the officials and walk off the floor um, and finally puts Terry off back in, injured, to foul and come out of the game. And it was just remarkable. But those are the kind of stories you get to tell when you can hear those conversations, the interactions between the coaches and the officials. Do you have a, a favorite, a favorite well, story? Well, uh,
1: uh, I always go back to Chicago. Uh, the old Chicago Stadium was an old barn. A tremendous uh, atmosphere place. It went back a 1,000 years. It was on the south side, and the place just rocked. And and, and this is Michael Jordan coming into his prime. And, and uh, during uh, game one of the finals, the 1991 finals, now you know how this is. There's media everywhere. We get farmed up to places unknown. There were two of us there, me and George Shirk from the Chronicle. We were sitting right behind, both of us, behind the, the Lakers bench. And when Michael Jordan did that switch hand yes. thing, that still, it's, you still see there's a shot where they, they're panning the bench and there's Shirky and me going crazy behind <laughs> Phil Jackson. I think I, I'm grabbing my head, you know. I mean, and we had such a great view of that. And when when the Bulls moved to the United Center, and now I'm still covering the finals, now I'm, I'm up with the, most everyone else at the very top. I mean, a helicopter would be better. <laughs> and, and eventually they just said, you know, well, you know, I, I, I just got to go down to the media room so I can have some idea what's going on in this championship series. And and topped off by the night that Steve Kerr won the title for the Bulls, I'm sitting there in the media room, and there's a timeout, and this is it's all coming to a head, and I'm just thinking, here I am, 2,000 miles from the Chronicle, and you know I could be in my living room. I said, you know what, I, I just I got up. It, the, we were really close to the court in the media room. I got up, made sure my credential was prominent, strode very confidently onto the court, made my first right turn up, the, up the, uh, tur- the, the aisle, and everybody was standing, and I just whipped around and, and stood and said, okay, arrest me, and nobody did. So I was like 30 feet from Steve Kerr when he hit that oh, shot. Wow. But so you have to it, – it's tough. It really is tough to, to, to hear and experience the game now uh, as opposed to how it was.
0: See, I, I never knew that story. I didn't know you set the pick for Steve Kerr. Well, I, I did. In shot. fact,
1: That's we right. talked about it uh, You know, before. You, know, <laughs> you don't hear me, but <laughs> –
0: <laughs> so I'll kind of segue off this um, because United Center in Chicago um, is still a place where any NBA player goes immediately. They show up for shoot around immediately, look up into the rafters because there's so much history there. And they look at the retired numbers and Jordan Pippen and all these mm-hmm. things. Um, so it made me think about that. Uh, one of the things that, that I was interested in this week that, as I mentioned, the brass was out doing their media rounds and talking um Joe Lakeup again reiterated the fact this this week that he wants to retire Andre Iguodala's number and wants to retire Kevin Durant's number. Um, Now, just from an outsider, the Durant thing seemed interesting to me. It's a guy who was here for only three years. Um, I I wonder what you think about retired numbers. Uh, The Warriors' history of retired numbers is... Is elite, right? It's Wilt Chamberlain yeah. and Rick Barry and Chris Mullin and Mascheri and Nate Thurmond. Yeah,
1: know. and Al Adams, That's it. Yeah, that's it. I'm working on a piece right now about the Warriors San Francisco history, and and five of those six people are from the San Francisco days. There's no Tim Hardaway or, or you know, Mullin's the only modern day guy at all, and uh, it, it's a little tricky. Uh, I, I I mean, retiring Durant's number. I certainly have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. And he's talked about Iguodala as well. I think Curry, Draymond, and, and Clay are, you know, that's, that's kind of goes without saying. And I was also thinking about, Kevin Durant um, was talking about statues. Remember oh, last year absolutely. we all had statues? And, and I could see, instead of trying to figure everything out, I could just see a little part of the outside where there's, there's it's like a statue plaza and all five of those guys are depicted, yeah. you know, the Hamptons five. Yeah. So you get Iguodala in there, you get Durant. Don't do it right away. Let some time pass. But then ref- you can reflect on how great it was, you know, when they won the title. And these are the five guys I don't think anyone would quarrel with that. You know, it would be not the greatest thing for Sean Livingston, but I think he would understand that, you know, Igudala had a, a little more impact, a little more long-lasting. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But that's the thought that passed through my head.
0: And, and maybe that is the right way to do it. Um, that I, I always think when you – Retire too many numbers, you start to water it down a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe Staples Center does it right. The 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 greats, the elites, yeah. have statues. Yeah. Then there are a number of guys who have their numbers retired. Mm-hmm. Then there's a Wall of Fame, which is a different level. Mm-hmm. Um. So maybe now that the Warriors kind of have a run like this, maybe that's what maybe that's what they do to kind of differentiate. Yeah, I think
1: so. Uh, to have have five statues in one little area be kind of a fun place to mm-hmm. hang out, you know. And, uh, but yeah, I, I mean Boston. They retire everybody. They don't yeah, even worry sure. about it. <laughs> Jim Luskatov's up there, man. Yeah. Eventually, like the Yankees, eventually Lusky. eventually, you run out of numbers. Yeah. Right? Like somebody's got to be number 103 to play on this team.
0: Um, you, you mentioned Sean Livingston at the end there. Yeah. Um, and Bob Myers said something uh, on NBC this week that I thought was really interesting, that obviously when you lose a guy like Kevin Durant in free agency and you trade Andre Iguodala um, – it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt production-wise, but what Bob Myers was talking about was uh, almost kind of the, the old wise man in, in the locker room, how much they think they'll miss Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston there. W- when you look at, at this roster, which I guess what we're about a month away from them reporting to camp, um, yeah. w- when you look at this roster, do you see guys who can, can fill that locker room role, that, that old wise man in the corner like Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala have?
1: I think Looney could get there eventually. He's a real solid guy that they respect. Not, not now. I mean, he's not even. He might not even start. You know, his minutes are down. He just strikes me as a real high character guy. But you know, you talk I, D'Angelo Russell. Who knows if he even lasts the season? I don't. He, he's had big maturity issues in the past. He, he's not going to be one of those guys. Uh, and then you, you know, you're talking about guys like McKinney and Pascal and the, the, the rookies and uh, Spielman. There's just it's a very vague uh, room full of. People that don't fit that, and I, I think it's huge. I think they're going to really miss Iguodala and Livingston on, on the court for another year or two. But but they just uh, they just lend so much class and professionalism. You know, when things are just going haywire and and you know, Coach Kerr is at wit's end, and and you know Draymond's maybe a little out of sorts. You know, you've got these guys who can level everything out, and it's really big at playoff time.
0: I think you, you hit a key right there when I think about it because uh, Draymond is a fantastic le- leader, but he runs hot. Yeah. Steve Kerr is a fantastic leader and communicator, but he runs hot. Exactly. So so that was kind of the foil was then you had Iguodala and Livingston who could calm things back down. And, and you wonder, will a guy like... Steph Curry, it's not natural for him to be vocal. Uh, A guy like Klay Thompson, one of those guys kind of step up to be the the other side of of the the heated
1: part. Yeah, and neither one of those guys is really used to that role. I I do think they could do it, and I think they'd get respect for doing it. Um, It's just a little different deal for them. You know, Clay is very laid back and kind of lets his his game, both of those guys, you know. And Curry does all kind of leadership stuff, but it's not so much that you can see like getting in a guy's face or, Uh, You know, calming down a crisis. So that'll be very interesting. So, talking about calming down a crisis, um, I know
0: this is a little bit off Warriors topic, but I thought it was fantastic this week. Kobe Bryant was making one of his appearances uh, and starts talking about Shaquille O'Neal and (laughs) says, man, if that guy was in the gym with me, if he would have worked hard, I would have 12 rings. (laughs) (laughs) And it made made me think about how dominating Shaquille was. But but nobody has Kobe Bryant's work ethic, right? And it started making run through my mind of guys that I thought, man, if they had Kobe's work ethic, what would they have been like? The first one for me during my time of covering the Warriors was a guy named Anthony Randolph. Who sure was a high lottery pick, uh looked the part yeah. long, spindly, lean, could do everything on the floor, yeah, um and <laughs> but he didn't work, uh-huh. he didn't work, and Don Nelson would tell him all the time, well. I guess you might have a future as a backup center, or mm-hmm. go out there and work on corner threes. Yeah. You know, I was kind of telling him, here's here's the way the league is going, but he just yeah, didn't he's, work. He's and playing in Chad right, right. right. now. You always, <laughs> I always wonder about those guys. Are there guys? Yeah. Shaq's different story, right? He well, was so talented. But I mean, he
1: come on, I, Shaq laid waste to the country. That's right. I mean, right. he, I don't care how hard he worked, he got out there and it was over. Yeah. Especially when he was young, it's like, oh my God! I remember seeing him with Orlando. It's like, this guy is, is a specimen. He, he's a badass. And he's killing people out there. What I don't know what more you'd want from him. And then it's interesting too because Dwight Howard is a guy who doesn't doesn't work, right. and they bring him in. The Lakers bring him in. They should talk to Kobe about Dwight about Dwight Howard because the Shaq thing you got to roll your eyes a little bit. But Kobe had legitimate issues with Dwight Howard, no work ethic, wanted to to be the man instead of Kobe. Eventually, I mean, way you know out of out of control and. Uh, yeah, that and you know you look at Dwight Howard. He's built. He's got the most impressive build I think I've ever seen on anybody. Yeah. You know, and, and but he's not a guy you want. You know, so it's uh, it's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are, are there guys that you look at now and, and think that you think, man, if he would just get in the gym and and work with Stephen Curry and his trainer Brandon Payne for a <laughs> month, what what would they end up being?
1: Uh, Russell Westbrook. No, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's a madman. Um, you mean on the Warriors or? Yeah, or
0: around um, the league. You, you see it all.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not quite in uh, around the league mode right now, but um, I'd, I'd have to think about it. Uh, but, you know, there's guys. Um, there's, I mean, you know, it, you know what was funny about it is in Boston, uh, Kyrie Irving is, you know, he's, the, he's got the greatest handle anyone's ever seen. He's a great shooter. He's won, he's won a championship. He did it in Oakland, and he's a total... He's a god, but, but he's, not, he's not a leader of any kind. And he says things that are just crazy. I mean, after the yet another s- terrible shooting performance against Toronto, he we said, well, who really cares? And I'm thinking, well, everybody in Boston. Everybody that, but you, a, Yeah, everybody <laughs> but you. And, and he just kind of drifts. He was drifting away from the team as we, as we watched that happen. Uh, that's, that's a different thing from work ethic. But when you have guys who are prime timers, I mean, you have to – You've got to lead, and you've got to make sense. You know, that's It should, shouldn't be that hard. But, And, you know, Kobe is the ultimate example of that. I mean, he, he's unbelievable. It's interesting the way things are going, Rusty. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, who is probably universally recognized as the best two-way guy in the game, or certainly one of them, sat out a whole bunch of games by design. He was not there for a lot of games. and. That's what he wanted, and that may be what he wants with the Clippers. Right, right. I don't know how Doc Rivers feels about that or Steve Ballmer or the fans, and uh, but he's certainly not a slacker, but if you're not appearing in a bunch of games, that's that's a little odd. Yeah, yeah. Know?
0: I'm sure this won't make the listeners in the Bay Area too happy because we keep mentioning L.A. But this this brings up another topic that, that I'm interested in right now is so the Clippers now have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Yeah. The Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, but Joe Lake uh, on TV the other day talked about, well, we're still a team with four all-stars, <laughs> right? You've got Steph and Clay and Draymond, and they bring in D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Um, so, Obviously, you can't you can't deny that the nope. Warriors have four All Stars. But when you look around the league, are, are there duos that that impress you more than others?
1: Yeah, duos. That, that's that's the thing now. Um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out in Boston. But you know, in Philly, you've got Embiid and Simmons. Um, like you say, Kawhi and Paul George. Then you got Harden and Westbrook's going to be unbelievable. Um, you know, Utah. I think I think uh, you know Don, Donovan Mitchell. Is gonna is gonna be pairing up with, with, with somebody that is gonna be a, a great, uh, you know, Gobert, mm-hmm. Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell. I think, is pretty dynamite. Yep. Um, you look all around the league, it's it's it is more about duos, uh, McCollum and and uh, Damian Damn, Lillard. Man. It really just goes on and on all yep. all all through the West. It's it's remarkable. Uh, you know, Denver with Jamal Murray and and uh, Jokic. Yep. I mean. Yep where does it stop it's it's wild and it's great i mean it, to me there's there's so much balance in that regard uh that i, th- I think utah is really going to be worth worth watching I, i'm glad that donovan mitchell is playing for the world cup since nobody else is because <laughs> right. uh, you know he he's still growing as a guy and a leader and he's probably going to be a leader on that team and hopefully lead, lead them to to win and you know let's just hope he and those other guys don't get hurt it's so late in the summer. Yeah. You know?
0: what, what do you make of, of what's going on with, with USA Basketball? When, when Jerry Colangelo came in several years ago, the whole idea was to get a commitment, right? You had to, you had to sign up and say, I'll be here for four or eight years mm-hmm. to get on that, that national upper-level roster. And guys are just leaving in mass exodus now without contract situations, without injuries, just leaving. Yeah. What, what, what do you make of what's going on with USA Basketball?
1: Well, two things, as I mentioned the timing it's way too late. You can't start this thing in september i mean there's training camps just around the corner and uh i I've always been in favor of guys uh you know guys have always played ball in the summer Rucker league or l a leagues whatever but it's it's not a it's not terribly intense it's more of a show, and guys tend not to get hurt so that's a that's a r- that's a that's a problem uh especially with the load management thing coming into play there'll probably be more of that this year that that's on the rise. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to work too hard. And and plus, I think just the prestige of this tournament doesn't grab guys, you know. Uh, I mean, you talk about sitting out. You used to see the guys sitting out for Canada. It's, yeah, that's it's, right. It's unbelievable. You yeah. yeah. Murray and Barrett and Tristan Thompson. There's on and on and on. Australia doesn't have Simmons. Uh, Exum, a couple other guys. Serbia could probably use a couple extra guys. Uh, but they're looking pretty good. But, yeah, I mean. It's just a a sort of a universal feeling that this thing doesn't matter that much. And, you know, I think it's going to be different in the Olympics in in 2020. Uh, It's in Tokyo. Uh, Players love going to Asia with their shoe contracts. You can really cash in over there. Plus, it's the Olympics. You know, I mean, timing is way better. It still means an awful lot. ton of prestige there, which is really going to be quite separate from what we're seeing in the World Cup. It's just too bad. I I wish it was early in the summer, but the, the way guys are taking care of their bodies and looking ahead to a season where they're going to be resting more, it just doesn't make sense to go play in this thing especially when you see all your friends not going as that's well. Right. It's yeah. just contagious.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're right. I think when it's an Olympic year, it takes on a different level oh, of yeah. prestige, yeah. and then you see the, the elite guys going. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for years, it seemed like even the World Cups, the off seasons were, were important, and everybody was at least going to Vegas and doing the showcase and, and building that camaraderie, and even some of that's been lost.
1: Well, the 2015, I think, World Cup, you had Curry and Harden right. and Westbrook and Clay you right. know, in the backcourt. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's
0: an interesting one to bring up because I believe that was the Paul George injury showcase. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and so I wonder if seeing yep. kind of one of those catastrophic injuries has changed right. guys' minds a little bit. Yeah,
1: it definitely does, you know. I mean, I mean, just look at Cousins, what just his own thing. I mean, jeez, that guy, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but yeah, I mean I I want to watch it. Is is it going to be on? Is I, I saw one thing it's on ESPN Plus, can you only watch it streaming? I can't believe that. I'm sure I'm sure we'll find a way to yeah. I'm sure we'll find a way to see. it. I'm interested. It. We I, might not I, see it live. Yeah. <laughs> Serbia is talking real big. Their coaches they, they look good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, that Teodosic didn't work out in the NBA, but he's a phenomenal passer. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, the big fella Jokic and uh couple other guys. They've all been playing together since they were five, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. They, they just do this. This
0: is this is yeah. normal off season for them just to be oh, yeah. playing.
1: Yeah. Uh, Bruce, I'm glad you brought up the World Cup
0: because I've seen a lot of clips of Steve Kerr, who's acting as an assistant coach to Greg Popovich on the World Cup team for USA. Um, and to me, just from watching clips, it looks like he's happy and healthy. And, and that hasn't often been the case these recent summers. Um, just wondering, when, when you see him joking around about catching up with Andrew Bogut when they played Australia and um, Draymond Green and even Kevin Durant coming into Vegas and hugging up on Steve Kerr. And yeah, he yeah. Just, he seems to be having a good time. No, what, what do really you see gratifying. when you see him?
1: Yeah, I mean, nobody's more aware of Steve's health problems than Popovich. Right. He would not have invited him to do this, to spend all his time when he should be laying on his couch and uh, watching football or whatever. And, yeah, it's it, uh, it does seem like he's turned a major corner in that, finally. You know, I mean – And uh, there's so much anxiety seeing Bob Myers and Lakob talking about him and uh, and Popovich. Anybody who's close to Kerr has been so concerned that this thing was just not going to end. But it seems like I think there's an awful lot of evidence that he's feeling really good. And it's interesting to me also. I mean, you know, Kerr and Popovich are pretty proud guys, and they've done little but win. They they win. They win all the time. And they're going to want to win this as it gets into the thing and there's a little bit of crisis or two. They're going to. Uh, they're going to feel a little pressure to win this thing. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. What, what do you – again, we're a month away from, from camp even opening. Um, but what do you think of, of the job that Steve Kerr has to do this year with the Warriors? <clears throat> um, he, when he come, came in, he, already, he always gives credit to Mark Jackson and that staff for starting the defense that mm-hmm. they have. Um, and he comes – he says, hey, I had good players. That, that made my job easy. Uh, Now he goes into a season where you have the unknown of D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Uh, You don't know when Klay Thompson's coming back. You do know that Kevin Durant's gone, your automatic score. Mm -hmm. Um, Could this be the most difficult season that that Kerr has had to face on the court? We know what he's had to face health-wise off the court, but but what do you think about the situation he's facing on the court?
1: By far. I mean, um, you know, the – through all the, uh, the Splash Brothers phenomenon, changing the league, three-pointer, great height, up-tempo, they've always had an elite defense when it mattered. Maybe the best, yeah. certainly one of the best. Maybe not all year with the metrics, but when it counted, yeah. forget about it. And, you know, Durant could be a phenomenal stopper when he wanted mm-hmm. to. Clay, you know, we all know about Clay. Iguadala comes in and takes over, right. guards Harden, guards LeBron. You know, I mean, these are huge things they're going to miss. I don't see anybody... Uh, among all these newcomers who who has you know that kind of a reputation that they, they say that Pascal's a little like Draymond that's encouraging mm-hmm. I think Willie Cauley-Stein if he's properly motivated could do some rim protection but just basically you know coming down to a really tight game against the Clippers or Harden and Westbrook or whatever you know Draymond can't do it by himself and uh, that's that's a heck of a challenge to get that defensive mentality which is that was Mark Jackson's calling card and and I'm not sure Jackson could get uh, the kind of mentality out of these guys that he got from from that group. Right. So big deal there, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And and one of the keys to all of this defensive success has been the point of attack has been them switching Klay Thompson onto opposing point guards and mm-hmm. allowing Steph Curry to play off the ball and and that kind of started everything. Right? Yeah. Uh, so now for at least half the year, you don't have Klay Thompson, and you're looking at <laughs> Stephen Curry and D'Angelo Russell being the defense at the point of attack. Yeah. That's uh, that's a that's a. That's a <laughs> Tough task for Ron Adams to design a defense uh, yeah. for that, right? Yeah, Ron
1: Adams. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's, he figures into this, but it's interesting for Kerr. I mean, I mean, two things can happen. One, that D'Angelo just clearly isn't on this level, and he's got to try to make it happen and make it work until whenever claims comes back, or D'Angelo just completely goes off and his maturity continues to you know, to uh, escalate. He did make the All Star team last year mm-hmm. as a reserve for Old Depot, but he still he was he was that caliber. And if he is really that good, and he's just a stud out there, and now Clay's coming back, I mean that they'll make it. Ha- they'll make it work, but that'd be another thing that K- K- Kerr's never really done to have three really dynamic scores in the backcourt, you know, for real guys, not Nick Young. Right. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so it, and I, you know, I think Kerr's got to love all this. I, I hope. I hope so. I mean, because you know he never got tired of winning. You know that, but. If he can get into the playoffs, I think that's a great thing. And who, who knows? I mean, we saw that if Curry makes that shot in game six with everybody in the hospital, geez, you <laughs> right. know, they, they get to game seven. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right.
0: So I'll br- bring this f- full circle and go back to the arena. I noticed when they were showing off the, the tour the other day with the huge Jumbotron, the starting lineup was Stephen Curry, D'Angelo Russell, and Clay Thompson yeah. playing the three. <laughs> do, do you see yeah, when, I was when put, Clay no, does no, no. come back after the All Star break? Do, do you see that that being what what they do?
1: Well, as I as I say, if if D'Angelo Russell is the man and player that they think he is, um, I think they'd probably go that way. I, I don't see um, you know Poole or Pascal or any of these guys really becoming a frontline NBA starter heading into the playoffs right right now happen. You never know. But but yeah, I did see that. Uh, they had Clay right in there. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of the dream, I guess. You know, they want to put all your front. You don't want to put McKinney in there. let right, put right. that way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, but noticeably, they left Anthony Davis out of the Lakers lineup.
1: I Did saw you know that. So yeah, so they're throwing a few dings in there. So apparently, there was a load management issue going on there with him. <laughs> yeah, it turns out he won't be playing that at all against That's the right. Warriors this year. That's right. <laughs> well, Bruce and I
0: uh, have tried to take care of Connor Letourneau while he's been taking his load management. Um, we miss you, man. We You're miss you. Need you back here. Uh, can't wait for it. Um, the The season, the, the Warriors will report to camp on September 30th, so we're actually getting close. You can feel it again. Mm-hmm. Um, we really appreciate you listening to Warriors Off Court. Uh, this is Rusty Simmons. You can follow me uh, in the print edition of the San Francisco Chronicle or on sfchronicle.com. On Twitter, you can find me at Rusty underscore sfchron. Thanks so much to columnist Bruce Jenkins for being here. You can follow him in the same places, and his Twitter account is a great follow, at Bruce underscore Jenkins1. Really appreciate G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman producing this. Conor Letourneau will be back soon for your listening pleasure.
1: Warriors Offcourt is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.